Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly. I'm your host, uh, Colby Peterson. We've got special content for you Wildcat fans this week. Of course, we've already done our regular show on Monday night. Uh, that's when we normally record, released on Wednesday. So you've gotten all the goods, but we didn't feel that that was quite enough time for all of the things that are going to be happening here, especially in the spring. We've got volleyball coming up, women's basketball still in full swing. We have softball coming up, among many other things. We talked about soccer, and so we thought we would bring the you Wildcat fans a little bit more content, interviewing some of the folks that uh, make a big impact on campus and uh, have a, a big part into the success that we have as Weber State Wildcats. So want to welcome with, with me tonight, AC. He's here to chat Weber State sports. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here with you too, man. And so tonight we got a little little special show. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, volleyball because the volleyball season will be coming up next weekend. So we are joined by Coach Jeremiah Larson, uh, head coach of the Weber State women's volleyball team. Uh, we're excited to talk about the upcoming season, the schedule, some of the players, what to expect, and uh, just look uh, look over what we can be expecting over the next few weeks because it's a uh, it's a lot. You guys are going every week. So, Coach Larson, Jeremiah, welcome to Weber State Weekly again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you back and talk about it. So, Coach, I, I wanted to start off with the schedule, and I just uh, I took a look at, in preparation for our interview, and I did a little bit of digging as well, looking at kind of standings last season, and it feels like this is a pretty even schedule. It feels like, you know, we start off with a Eastern Washington this coming weekend, go to Montana. We've got the rival Southern Utah in town, and then uh, head off to go see the champs in Greeley. So, Tell me about, you know, when you got, when you saw the schedule, uh, kind of what went through your mind, how are you feeling about this? I mean, besides the back-to-back -back situation that we have to deal with, I think that's, that's pretty true. unique. Um, so I think, it, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty fair and balanced um, for the most part. The only thing that is going to be a unique challenge is we got to play UNC twice at their place and we got to play NAU twice in their place who are, I think, two of the premier teams in our league and, historically and, and even right now. And so I think in that case, it's kind of stacked up against us a little bit. Um, um, we might not be able to play everybody either. So we're not playing Portland State or Idaho, which kind of leaves an unbalance in our schedule. But um, but we like the challenge. We're, we're not trying to duck anybody. So we want to go play UNC and NAU. And, and if we have to play them at their place, then so be it. And we'll try to do the best we can. Yeah, like you said, uh, this year is going to look a little bit different because uh, like we've noticed in the basketball schedules, uh, the women's volleyball team, when they travel out, they will be out at their location for two games. So there won't be a home and home like normal. And uh, then you'll be returning, returning home or a team will come to Ogden and play two matches here and then they'll go home. So a little bit different than what we normally expect because like we've talked about, the Swenson Gym is a uh, it, there's an advantage to playing in that place. For sure. I mean, we've we've had head coaches meetings for a while here through COVID, and and we've often joked that we should just have the conference term in Ogden because it's centrally located, and nobody wants to do that. And so everyone's like, "Yeah, that's not going to happen." Because we do have a unique environment here, and it gets loud and it's obnoxious, and people kind of get on top of you a little bit. So, so we want to be here as much as we can, and and hopefully have the, some of the best teams in our league. But um, yeah, we're going to have to go play NAU and UNC, but we get Montana State, who I think is going to be a really good team in Sacramento here. So you can't complain. You know, we're get, we get to play and we feel blessed for that. 
Coach, I, I kind of have something. As I was looking at the schedule and thinking about historically how Weber State and how other teams have done around the conference, I have a theory that the three toughest places for Weber State to play are Sacramento State, because the ball floats different, right? The air's a little bit different. And then you've also got Northern Colorado and Northern Arizona because they pack the place, and it's a good crowd every single time. And so I feel like Weber State's a little bit lucky with the scheduling in the sense that there's probably going to be some fan restrictions for Northern Colorado and Northern Arizona. And then we get Sacramento State at home. And so that's kind of my take, but I want to know what you think about that. Yeah, I sat for sure. I've only, we've only won once at Sacramento since I've been here, um, mostly because they're really good. But last year we were able to kind of take it to them a little bit at their place, but it is a unique place to play. The venue is hard and, and for sure the altitude changes a little bit. Um, I, we've been pretty fortunate to have some pretty good success at UNC. You know, like we've, we've actually beaten Northern Colorado a bunch of, bunch of times since I've been there. So, so I don't really view that place as such an intimidating place, but for sure NAU, Sacramento State, those are some tough places to go play volleyball along with. Um, I think Idaho is one of the tougher places to play also. So, mm-hmm. And like you noted, Jeremiah, the uh, the Vandals are not on the schedule this year as long as well as Portland State. Yeah. And even though those folks were down, you know, in the bottom of the rankings in 2019, still, like you said, a difficult place to play up in Moscow. It is tough. I mean, we Idaho might have been down in the rankings a little bit last year, but we still went five with them. And it was just a grind fest. And, and of course, we have some our old assistant coach, David Gannon's up there. And, and so we kind of, you know, have some we want to play them. We have some rivalry aware with him just a little bit because you know you never want your good friend to beat you ever so did, did i just hear some rivalry with idaho state AC? Is that what that's I what i heard yeah uh, idaho heard. state idaho oh, sorry, with, yeah. with idaho yeah. with the vandals okay yeah only because david went up there if he you know he went up there he left us and so we're gonna we're gonna be okay with that well, the only reason we say that, uh, Jeremiah, is because earlier, so in our in the previous episode this week, we were talking about the fact that Southern Utah, they announced today that they will be leaving the Big Sky Conference in a couple of years and or in 18 months. And so because of that, we were looking around the conference saying, well, who could be the next, you know, the next rival really with with Weber State? And some of us positing, you know, it actually wouldn't be too bad to have a rivalry with the University of Idaho up in Moscow. You know, they're looking for somebody. Maybe we're looking for somebody. Uh, but we got we got we got told in the uh, Big Sky podcast network group chat today about some of that so it was interesting to hear that uh, maybe idaho maybe the vandals could be a could be an uh, a rival well, going forward we're finally good enough to i think consider rivals you know before it was just like we were always the doormat and so we'll take any rival we can get idaho state's a really tough competition we like going up there and playing them too and that's great so kind of along that note you just hit six years at weber state congratulations well thanks Appreciate it. Uh, and we're so happy to have you here. And throughout your time here, do you think that there's been one specific team or maybe a couple teams that have just kind of given you fits that you just, it seems like you just can't get the better of? I mean, like I said, Sacramento State, they've been, they've been kind of the nail. Like we've, we've kind of have some pretty good records with everybody, um, at least balanced a little close, you know, but Idaho, or sorry, Sacramento State, I mean, our first win ever since I've been here was with against them at their place last year towards the end of the season, and and that was a huge win for us. Like we were fired up, and I mean, we went we went and had some had a nice dinner after that match because that's a hard place to play, and they just, we just we haven't beaten them. So for the most part, if you look across everywhere else, like we've we've been able to steal some here and there, but Sacramento State was that elusive one that we we felt pretty good to get off our back last year. 
I like it. And especially, like you said, uh, that happens sometimes. Just just the way teams match up, you just can't seem to get past them. They are that, you know, that coach always just seems to have just that little extra. I don't know what it is. And so good to, good to see that happen. Um, I wanted to ask you now, Jeremiah, a little bit about the roster. We talked to you back in November after the early signing period about, about and interviewed with, um, I think we had, we had Ashlyn Power on, didn't we? And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the team. We have got a lot, of, a, a lot of good senior leadership on this team, and so we're looking forward to that. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you this time maybe a little bit about more of some of these younger players that are coming in. You signed two, two players back in November, and so the, their names are Brooklyn Frederick and Marley, Marley Rossello. And so I had a question. Are, are they planning to play in the spring, or are they still in high school and they're planning to play in the fall? Yeah, so Marley is actually here right now. She graduated early. Um, NCAA is not allowing uh, mid-year enrollees through high, from high school to college to play. So she's going to have to um, sit out this year or this this coming spring, but she'll be eligible and ready to go for the fall. Um, Brooklyn Frederick will also be here in, in the fall. And so both those kids are planning on enrolling. Or Sorry, Marley's already here, but Brooklyn – planning on enrolling in the fall and not be here for the spring. So they're there. Brooklyn is playing in their club season right now. Both of them are, I mean, Marley's doing a fantastic job um, right now for us and in practice and helping us get better. And, and Brooklyn is going to be a really nice outside hitter for us, which we're really excited about. When we watched Brooklyn play in high school, she reminded us a lot about Danny, a lot of like Danny Nay. And we saw how good Danny Nay has become. And, and so we'd like to think that we got a nice little, uh, nice little get there out of Southern California, which we have not been able to recruit very well at all until now. Coach, I want to know your opinion on Danny Nay. Last year she comes in, she's a big sky uh, uh, newcomer of the year. She made first team all big sky. What is it about her that makes her so special? You know, she has an incredible footwork and an incredible range. Um, she's able to get to a lot of balls that not too many people can get to in terms of where the setter puts it. And, um, and so because of that, because of her footwork, she's able to kind of move the ball all over the court. So she has this amazing vision and this range. So go ahead, take a shot away from her and she'll go take that, take what they're giving you. And so um, when she is meant, when she is mentally engaged in the game and, and really focused on what what's happening in front of her, she, there's not too many kids that are better than her. And um, we were pretty fortunate to land her. She was recruited by some really top-level talent, um, the top-level programs in this country. And it was a huge get to get her because, I mean, if you can think of top 25 programs, she was getting offers from them. And, and so, yeah, we're pretty fortunate. She wanted to do nursing, and we have an awesome nursing program, which we can do. And and, and so she was – She's here, and she's a. She keeps on getting better. She's improved. She's improved her back row play this last fall and spring, and so now she can go all the way around. And we can pass. She can pass. She can dig, and her hitting has only gotten better. The range that she can create is is pretty impressive. So it's hard to stop her. Love to see it. And Jeremiah, when 
you know, I, I think that recruiting for volleyball is maybe a little bit different than some of the other sports like basketball or football, because a lot of times those guys, they're, they're looking like, okay, is this a place where I can maybe get better and get playing time and, you know, maybe go on to the league. But I just don't feel like, you know, with volleyball, I don't feel like it's the same calculus for, for the ladies when they're, when they're thinking about where they want to go play. And so have you seen a lot of that where one of the, one of the bigger decisions, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking maybe a little bit less about, well, I want to play for a top 25 team and more about like, well, what about the academics? Is that, is that a trend that you see when you go out there and you hit the road to recruit? Yeah, I, I think academics comes in play a little bit for these kids, but, but I think women especially want to play for top level talent or top level programs that are consistently in the top 25. They want, they want to feel like their commitment is equal to their, their skill set that it all pays off for them, you know? And so I think it's pretty unique because, because I think a lot of really good programs can hoard talent a lot more than I think maybe in basketball because they, because kids are willing to go there and sit the bench for a couple of years. And so, um, I do. I think it's a challenge for volleyball. It's, it's unique. It's different um, because I, I do think um, women are different for the most part, if you want to talk about that. And their, their advantage to go play at the next level after college is different. Um, there's, there's a lot of European leagues, but there's not a lot in the United States. And so that kind of limits what kids can do. But I think it's a tricky challenge. Um, we have to really try to not just find a kid that wants to make something of themselves, but have all, has also the inner confidence to say, I want to go to a place that maybe no one even knows about. Maybe I want to go to a place where I can say I'm going to Weber State and they'll go, why'd you go there? You must not be very good, but have the confidence to say, no, they're a nice volleyball program. They're 26 and nine last year and, and I can go be elite. And we've sent kids to the junior on the national team. And I mean, there's a lot of things they can stand up for themselves. And so they have to have that, I think that inner confidence inside them, which I think is hard for a lot of kids nowadays. They want the name on their signee to reflect um, their who they are. You know, like I'm good enough. And and sometimes you come to Weber State because you want to make a name, not not be kind of tied to a name. So I think it's pretty unique, and that's the kind of the selling thing that we do. You can come here and make a name for yourself and make Weber State great, or you can go be part of something that someone else built for you. And um, and that actually. Kate Stanford's one of them that really like latched onto that. And she's a wonderful setter who will take over for Ashland whenever Ashland leaves and Danny Nay and caught onto that too. Hey, I can make something special. I can make my own name and Weber State can be, I can make Weber State something special and do, do something a little bit more. So I don't know if that makes sense or answers your question at all. <laughs> oh, no, it does. It definitely gives us an insight into kind of how the ladies think and, and especially into, you know, what it's like when you folks sit down. And obviously this year was probably very weird and you probably were only able to meet these these ladies via Zoom. But it gives us an idea of what they think about and kind of what goes through their mind when they consider a place like Weber State. Because like you've noted in our previous interview, Weber State was uh, not in a good place before Jeremiah Larson decided to become the head coach. And uh, that's all changed. And um, that that must feel, I mean, good for you because you know that now you're getting top talent. You're getting you're getting folks like Danny Nay who want to come down and they want to play for you because six years ago, I don't think that would have been the case. Yeah, I mean, Ryland Roberts was our first All-American we committed, and since then we've committed Kate Stanford, who's an All-American, and Danny Nay, who's three times Gatorade Player of the Year. Michaela Sorensen was a Gatorade Player of the Year and an All-American. So we're starting to starting to accumulate some some nice accolades, but at the end of the day, the thing that sets them apart is their ability to work. They work hard, and they aren't afraid to 
kind of stand up to the big girls and and, and kind of make a name for themselves. And that's, I think, what really sets them apart most in their town. My uh, looking at last year's team, the front row was such a strength and you had a rotation there. It really didn't matter who you put in. Like there was no weaknesses across the entire front row. So when I look at this year's team as, as an outsider, a question mark to me is going to be the right side, right? You lost Aubrey, who she was fantastic on the right side last year. And Aubrey was a middle. Megan Knighting was our opposite, our right side. I, so. I saw Aubrey hitting a lot from the outside. Right? Yeah, she does Slide go off one foot. Aubrey. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was, the, it was the one foot. And so yeah. to me, I mean, when I was watching, I'd see her get a lot of action on the, on the outside. But yeah. w- when I look at this year's team, I see maybe a question mark to me on the right side. And so I'm wondering uh, maybe how you're going to, uh, how you plan on filling it this year. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about Aubrey, Sam, she's, I mean, she was a kid that played a lot last year and she's still here and she's only gotten better. Like some of this numbers she's putting up in practice right now is just mind boggling. Um, like she's playing at a high level. Um, Carolyn Clark is hopefully going to fill in that, that other middle position. Um, Sam will probably take over where Aubrey was and then Carolyn Clark will take over where Hannah DeYoung was, which is still some, huge shoes for Caroline to fill. And, um, but she's, she's worked hard and gotten better. The one that we're excited about, and I, I mean, not we're excited about Caroline, but the one that's going to take over Megan Knighting is Emma Mangum. And Emma Mangum's a six foot five kid that touches, I think, 10, five and a half, which is just mind boggling. So um, she's a fun player to watch. She's not as, she doesn't jump as high as Megan is, but she's, five inches taller than Megan, you know, and so um, I think there's a unique talent there that hopefully she fills in really well for what Megan left us. I I don't think you'll ever feel what the intangibles that Megan brought to us, but but hopefully skill-wise, Megan will take over for what Megan left us. And then kind of following up on that, I'm, I'm also a little bit curious how you plan on using Ryland this year. And it's not Ryland Roberts anymore, is it? It's Ryland, Ryland, Adam, Ryland Adams. Adams, Ryland Adams. Okay. So Ryland, she's, she's a Swiss Army knife. She was a double-double machine last year. She could do everything. So are you kind of planning on using her in that same role this year? And Kennedy Williams left with Jonah to the NFL. And so we, there's Kennedy and Kennedy, Ryland and Danny were like our three headed monster out there on the left side. Whoever was, someone was struggling, Kennedy would come in and save the day a lot. And so we're going to miss Kennedy, but Ryland has only gotten bigger, uh, more, I shouldn't say bigger, but more physical at the net. She's probably increased probably an inch or two on her vertical, which is really impressive. And she's a wonderful ball handler, which is going to be a good thing for us because um, we're going to need all the serve receive we can get, you know. And so um, she's only got right. So Ryland's only gotten better. So we're fired up about that. Ryland and Danny, I think we'll we'll hunker down our left side position really, really well. And hopefully, I mean, we're going to miss Kennedy Williams, but um, but hopefully we don't miss her that much. Okay. Uh, Jeremiah, I wanted to wrap up our conversation here by asking about, uh, we talked a bit, a little bit about the fact that Swenson Gym is a distinct advantage for the Weber State women's volleyball team. And unfortunately, it looks like fans might not be able to play or might, might not be able to attend some of the matches this season. And so I wondered, have you heard anything? Are there any rumors about or any idea on a timeline when fans may be able to, to attend or just going to have to watch everything on Pluto? Yeah, I, I mean, I was talking to Tim Crompton today about that a little bit. And 
And right now, as of January, the thing is with this thing is like we're just seem like we're taking this week by week and stuff, right? Like a lot of it is about university and COVID um, stipulations on how many people can be in there. And and so um, we're hoping hopefully sometime in February, we can probably start getting some people in there. But it's a hope, you know, like when a month ago, they were saying hopefully in January and it didn't pan out. And so I'd like to think and be optimistic that by February, March, we, we can have some people come in and watch this fantastic team. But Pluto TV is going to be something that for sure we're, we're hoping people pick us up on. And we're going to pump it to all of our recruits and all of the people that were that are big fans of our program because, and it's kind of a bummer. This team is, I mean, I've really enjoyed coaching this team over the last spring. We've gotten incredibly good in the short period of time that we had over the spring and they're a fun team to watch super physical and really competitive they got some attitude and i don't think you'll get that in watching it on pluto tv you'll see the attitude these guys have and how competitive they are but um hopefully hopefully sometime in february you can come watch us maybe and kind of see the heart and the passion that they play with because that's I, sometimes i sit in practice and just get goosebumps about how hard they compete and it's a really fun environment well, uh, we can't wait. And like you said, hopefully we'll be safe soon that a few of us can find our way into the Swenson gym because it is a good atmosphere in there. It's been, it's been a good time to go and see the ladies really go out there and compete and compete at a high level. And so we'll look forward to that. And hopefully we get some good news soon. But Coach Jeremiah Larson, thank you so much for chatting with us tonight at Weaver State Weekly about women's volleyball and what we can look forward to. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, Wildcat fans, this episode of Weber State Weekly is sponsored by Wildcat Rack. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind, officially licensed Weber State apparel, Wildcat Rack is the place. All the designs and apparel are made right here in Weber County by people who know and love the purple and white. Check out the latest designs by going to their website, wildcatrack.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram for new designs and sneak peeks as they become available. Now, back for more Weber State Weekly. All right, we want to thank Coach Jeremiah Larson once again for coming on Weber State Weekly to chat a little bit about the upcoming women's volleyball season. Like we said, uh, they will be hosting Eastern Washington University coming up next weekend. So the first match in that uh, in, a, in our volleyball season will be on Friday, January 22nd. That'll be at 6 p.m. You'll be able to watch that on Pluto TV. And then also, you'll uh, they'll be facing them once again the next day um, at 4 p.m. once again in Swenson Gym. So going to be a little bit different, like we said, but uh, keep your ears to the ground. They'll be going every single weekend for the next, shoot, six weeks, roughly. A little bit longer. Yes. Maybe eight weeks. So Can't yeah, that, wait. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of volleyball to be played in a short period of time, and they're not taking weeks off. So keep your ear to the ground because these ladies are going to be something to watch like we just talked about with Jeremiah. All right, so we wanted to uh, transition now over to women's basketball. We had a couple of games last weekend. Uh, the women took the trip up to Cheney, Washington. Unfortunately, the men, they had to cancel because they had uh, Eastern Washington's men had a coronavirus in their locker room. So hopefully everybody's doing all right to get back to normal and everyone's healthy again. But the women made the trip up to Cheney. So AC, let's talk a little bit about that, man. I mean, I, I know it was kind of tough. A couple of games back to back to to watch, you know, uh, when you're, busy and doing other things, but talk, talk to me about what you saw there. You know, the really hard thing to swallow about this, uh, about this, this set with Eastern Washington is that last year, this team won four games, four out of 30. They were four and 26. One of those wins was Eastern Washington. 
right? And so when you're looking at the schedule, going through the schedule, seeing who your potential wins are, right? Everybody does it. Coaches do it. Media does it. Everybody tries to predict how many games you're going to win. When you're looking at that set in Eastern Washington, you're like, ooh, we might be able to steal one, maybe two here, right? And unfortunately, we weren't able to do it. And so that's kind of the disappointing thing about this this set that we had against Eastern Washington is we weren't able to get a win. There are some positives that came out of it, but at the end of the day, we didn't get a win. So for me, it's just, it's a little tough to look back at this last, uh, this last set of games we had. Yeah, definitely. Right. Because, you know, expecting, okay. Like I think each, each series that we have this year, um, we keep, we keep looking like, all right, is this going to be the point where they turn the corner? Because I think that we're seeing growth from the ladies. We're definitely seeing moments where, Oh, they're doing things a little bit differently. They're, they're, they're a little bit more hustle here, right? Like I'll say in the second game, we noticed, especially in that first half, those first two quarters were about as, as good as I think I've seen the ladies play all season thus far. There was a lot of energy on the boards. You know, they got a lot of offense offensive rebounds. They were just really physical in the paint. They, they were really hustling to get those plays. And man, they, they were just, they were just doing all of the, the small things, you know, sometimes shots weren't going down, you know, we've, we're still kind of struggling from the three point line, but overall they were doing all the small things to keep themselves in the game. And we went up not all knotted up at half in that second game. And so it was just like, okay, like maybe this is the time. Unfortunately that, that wasn't able to continue. You, you know, shots didn't fall in the third quarter, got a little bit behind and then fourth quarter rolled around and it was just, it was just too much. And we ran out of time. So I agree that like looking at the schedule, thinking like, all right, could this be the spot where we really start to see those wins? We saw flashes like, okay, this is this going to be it? But unfortunately, we're not able to get a win in Cheney. And so we're going to be looking forward now to the schedule. And, you know, of course, if nothing gets canceled again, because the ladies hadn't played in a while because of COVID cancellation. Yeah, it's been a minute. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you, know, you know, luckily they, they played a couple of games against Idaho State when the men didn't, and they got a couple of these. But before that, there was a long stretch where they didn't get to play at all. You know, they played... Yeah, it was right around a month, I think. Yeah, almost three weeks there where, you know, the the game against Pacific was canceled. The Portland Mm -hmm. State set got canceled. Then it was Christmas. And then, you know, they didn't really get to see another team until they got Idaho State. And that one was a little different because how the proximity. So they got to play Idaho State in the Purple Palace, then hit the road and head up to Pocatello. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, man, like overall, I want to maybe talk a little bit about the stats. You, you want to you chat a little bit about what we saw here? Yeah, let's do it, yeah. And kind of what you saw in there. So one of the things that stuck out to me overall was um, I noticed, okay, I talked a little bit about the, th- the three-point shot, right? Uh, once again, and we talked about this earlier, you know, in the non-conference games about how the three-point shot was really a struggle. At one point, we were like 0-21 oh, on the season, just threes weren't going down. So in this, in that second game, you know, shooting six of 21, 28%, uh, if, if you weren't watching the game, you'd look at that and go, yeah, that's not good. But what I'll tell you is those shots weren't necessarily quality shots either. You know, there were a lot of really rushed shots to get up and just say, oh, clock's running out. We got to get something out there. And so you push the ball up, right? And so that just adds, adds to those totals. Uh, you know, shooting four for 21 in, this, in the first game, six of 21 in the second game. Uh, the attempts are there, just the makes are not there. And I look at the other side of the bracket and I look at Iwu and what they were able to accomplish. You know, they shot 14 of 32 in that game, in the, uh, the first game. Yep, in the first game. And then they turn around and then they shoot 
33% in the second game. So they, they cooled off a bit, but it was still enough to, to, to bury the Lady Wildcats because if you look at field goal percentage, they were, they were okay. You know what I mean? Like the ladies held right. fairly steady when it comes to field goal percentage. But man, just that, that three, man, I'd really love to see the ladies start to hit more of those shots because I think it's really going to make a difference in so much of what they do. So the three-point shot, it's, it's been interesting. I know that the coaches feel really confident in our team as a whole shooting the three ball, but on the season, the stats don't agree with that, right? Yeah. It's, not just the, it's not just this Eastern Washington set. It's been the whole season. This team hasn't right. been shooting the ball well. But this team, it does have strengths in other places. So for me, I know that the college game, basketball in general, is really focused on the three-point shot now. I get it. I totally yeah. get it. This team, I don't think, is built to shoot the three. This team, with Emma Torbert, Dominique Williams down low, has a strength in the post. But in addition to that, you look at the players who are playing on the perimeter. Corey Pencer, Cheyenne Johnson, uh, Monka, uh, 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 Jaden Matthews as well. Every single one of these ladies can get to the hoop. All of them can get to the hoop. And so yeah. for me, I think that you got to change the focus on this season. I know you want the team to shoot the three. I know that a three is worth more than a two. I get it. I get it. But this team isn't built to shoot the three. This team is built to drive. This team is built to get an entry pass down low and get the buckets down low, get the buckets in the paint. And then guess what? You go to the free throw line, which is another huge strength for this Weber State team, right? We're one of the best shooting free throw shooting teams in the whole country. Corey Penser, prior to the Eastern Washington series, was shooting shooting like 93% from the free throw line and she's getting there a ton. And so for me, I just, I think we got to reel it in on the three point shots. And I think you got to start attacking the basket. I think you got to get to the free throw line and start looking for those easy shots down low. And this Eastern Washington series, when you're going 10 for 42 in back-to-back games, I, it's a red flag for me. I think you got to change it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Like watching these two games, the, the ladies are very, very good at getting to the hoop. I mean, and I think especially Cheyenne Johnson in that second game, man, she was just incredible. She was everywhere. She was shooting the ball. She was cutting to the basket, you know, backdoor cuts and getting to the line. Like it, it was, it, it was really nice. You know, she only had, you know, she only got to the line once, one for two there, but all of the other intangibles that, that she was doing, like, it was, you could tell, like she was very, very active and she was out there trying. And I think that, you know, six for 17, okay, not, not a great percentage, but like if you watched the game, she was out there, she was working. And I think I agree with you, AC, that this team's strength is down in the post because they get to the line a lot, they get a lot of rebounds, and it's, it's, it's really difficult for them to hit the threes. And that's okay, you know, because, just focus on the identity. I think that's the core identity of this team is that keep it down inside. You know, like you said, Emma Torbert was really good in getting the ball in. And uh, she also, she had seven rebounds to lead all, all score, all rebounders in the second game. So it's, it's clear that Weber State has a presence in the paint. Let's continue to work on that. That's right. And Dominique Williams, I mean, you, you talk about basketball players and so often you, you try to focus on what their elite skill is. So, for example, in the NBA, you look at a guy like Kyle Korver. His elite skill is shooting three, three-pointers, right? He's made a career off of that. When I look at Dominique Williams, her elite skill is offensive rebounds, rebounding in yeah. general, but specifically offensive rebounds. 
at one point in this season, she was averaging like four offensive rebounds a game, four offensive rebounds a game. That's four extra chances you're getting. And I mean, with, with ladies like Emma Torbert, Jaden Matthews, Dominique Williams down low, you're going to be getting good shots. You're going to do it. You're going to score more points. So I, I know that the analytical movement in basketball pushes everybody outside. You want to spread the floor. That's not this team, though. This team has so much potential, I think. I think. And, and maybe there are a lot of – there probably are a lot of people who disagree with me. There are always a lot of people who disagree with me, so it's fine. But for me, this team got to start looking down low. Yeah. Um, so the upcoming series that the ladies will be playing, I don't think that they play this weekend, but they will be playing next They'll be playing Thursday, January 21st, and that game will be at Southern Utah. Then Saturday, Southern Utah will be coming up to the Purple Palace. Um, I don't know, AC, like, what do you think? What should we expect in this series? What, what should we be looking for? Southern Utah's good. Yeah, they <laughs> they're are. very good. And you know what? They took one of our, probably our two or three best players from last year who was eligible immediately. It was Liz Graves. Mm-hmm. And she's been, she's been winning all kinds of big sky accolades. I think I saw earlier this season, she put up 34, like what? She wow. put up 34 points in a game. And so I, I think that, I think that Liz is a, a very nice lady. I think that they're, and I don't, I don't know. I'm not an insider, but I, I would imagine that they, that she didn't leave. She left and she wasn't very happy about how things were at Weber state. I know her sister plays at SUU, but I, I think we might see a little bit of a Liz Graves revenge game. And she's so chippy. She was such a good hustler. She would get rebounds. She's so much fun to watch. And so for me, all eyes going to be on her. What is she going to be able to do against this Weber State team? Or is Weber State going to show, you know what, just because you left, that doesn't necessarily mean the grass is always greener. And maybe, you know, maybe we steal a win from the Thunderbirds. So send them out of the conference with a, a couple of losses. That'd be nice. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to turn that down. Oh, man, I've talked, to, I've talked a lot of trash on the T-Birds. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll get a regular dose of that. But I agree. I think that it would be nice to steal one from Southern Utah. And we should be watching Liz Graves because, I mean, just from what I know of other, other t- players who have transferred away from Weber State, sometimes there is a bit of a chip on the shoulder to play well against the former team. And uh, we may well see that on Saturday next weekend. So we're just going to have to see. But I think that overall, if, if this team can continue to develop that interior presence and, you know, e- even marginally, you know, like right now, I, you know, they're not shooting. The numbers don't show that they're shooting the three super well. I think that if they can at least as a team shoot 33% from the line and then just pound the rock inside, they're, they're going to be in, in, in really good shape, I think. that you know, You're going to be competitive in a lot of games. We saw what that could look like in that second game in the first half that these ladies are hustling, you know, especially when they were closing out on the perimeter, keeping Eastern Washington from hitting threes. The, the, the game was close, and they were able to hang. But yeah, unless, unless that continues into the future, uh, I don't know that things are going to change. So I hope that it does. hope that the ladies are able to continue to establish their presence. I mean... We still got a lot of games to play and, uh, you know, the conference tournament's in March. And so you want to start playing your best basketball in February, March. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Try to steal a couple games, see if you can get hot at the right time, right? That's what college basketball is all about. You got to get hot at the right time. 
Yeah. And so that's why I, you know, we talked about in the initial stages of, of the season about how, well, we're hoping that this team can just get to 500 and that'd be a huge accomplishment. And, and, and that that's definitely been the case, right? I think that from the outside observer or sometimes even like, even myself, I, I look at it and I'm like, Oh, we lost that game again. Oh, we lost that game again. It's like, yeah, man, like just calm down though. Like you said that if you could get to 500, that would be a, a, a huge accomplishment for this team. So uh, plenty of games to play, plenty of time to continue to play well together. I think that we're seeing progress. So we'll just see. Any any parting words, AC, before we wrap it up? Yeah, that, I mean, kind of going off your point a little bit, is something that worries me is that that's our perspective as fans, right? As a fan, we've been here with Weber State before these ladies got here. We'll be here after these ladies leave. And so we have a little bit of a different mindset, right? Like we look at it as a process. But the ladies on the team, they're like, a process. I'm here four years tops. I mean, five, if I get a medical retro, we got to win now. And so I, I worry about the mindset of these ladies, but I, I hope that they know that from our perspective, from the fans, we can see growth. We can see that the team is coming along. We can see improvement every game, right? Corey Pencer from last year to this year, she's improved. I mean, she's miles ahead of where she was. Looks incredible. But I, I just, I hope that they don't get too caught up thinking if we don't win this next game, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm sick of this team. Like that's not how this works. It's a process. Y'all got to think about it that way. And so this team, we can see improvement. We can see the progression and hopefully we can start seeing some dubs here pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, it's a process. And Coach Coach Harris said that when she first came to Weber State that it was going to be a process and it continues to be. And so we'll just keep watching. We'll just keep rooting for them. So with that, uh, we're going to wrap up this extra show for the week. Um, if you haven't already, folks, please feel free to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interview interact with the Weber State Weekly team. Uh, you can also go to our website, weberstateweekly.com. Uh, we've got a lot of really good pieces. AC's been working. And so there's been some good content that's been put up, put up this week. Head over to the blog and read some of that. We've got a good interview with an incoming tight end, it sounds like, transfer down from the University of Tennessee. So read all about him, what drew him to Weber State, and what we can expect. Because I, I told you this when, when this happened. Uh, man, a great, great tight end play is one of the, the things that we've been missing. And so can't wait to see it. Uh, also, if you haven't already, please uh, rate the show, whether you're listening to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get them. Make sure to give us a rating and help us to climb in the ranks so that we can find our way into the feeds of other Wildcat fans. And whether that's not happening, if that's happening or not, please tell your friends. If they are fans of Weber State Sports, love you. Tell them about Weber State Weekly, all the, the interviews and the content that we're trying to produce for you to keep you in the know as a Wildcat fan. So, AC, with that, we're going to wrap up this show. It's going to be a little weird because it's just the two of us. So, we'll just uh, send it back and forth and I'll say Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 <laughs> Go Wildcats. Weber State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez.